Some Sadducees, those who deny that there is a resurrection, came forward and put this question to Jesus, saying, Teacher, Moses wrote for us, if someone's brother dies leaving a wife but no child, his brother must take the wife and raise up descendants for his brother. Now there were seven brothers. The first married a woman but died childless. The second and the third married her, and likewise all the seven died childless. Finally the woman also died. Now at the resurrection, whose wife will that woman be? For all seven had been married to her. Jesus said to them, The children of this age marry and remarry, but those who are deemed worthy to attain to the coming age and to the resurrection of the dead neither marry nor are given in marriage. They can no longer die, for they are like angels, and they are the children of God because they are the ones who will rise. That the dead will rise, even Moses made known in the passage about the bush, when he called out, Lord, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And he is not God of the dead, but of the living, for to him all are alive. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise, Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Good morning, everyone. In this uh, gospel passage, the uh, Sadducees are really criticizing Jesus for his belief in the resurrection, his teaching on the resurrection. And they want to come to Jesus and say, look how ridiculous your teaching about resurrection is. What if a woman has uh, seven husbands and they, she was childless? Which one would be her husband? Isn't it kind of ridiculous? So they're trying to uh, trip Jesus up and they deny that there is a resurrection. And so Jesus says, it's not ridiculous. What's ridiculous is your understanding of heaven, that you think that there needs to be uh, husband and wives in heaven and for children. So he says to them, they are neither married nor given into marriage. So you're mistaken in your thoughts about heaven and why the situation that you're giving uh, is not something to trip up the teaching of the resurrection. And it's because of the resurrection that so many uh, faithful have been willing to die for their faith. We heard in the first reading, which comes from the second Maccabees in chapter seven, these seven brothers who endured great torture and suffering and eventually even death so that they would not depart from the faith of their forefathers. And it was because they too believed in the resurrection. They believed that God would give them their hands back, their tongue, their very lives, that God would totally restore them in the resurrection. And so because of the resurrection, Christians for many, many, many centuries uh, have had the, the strength to endure all forms of suffering. It's always surprising to me uh, whenever I am reminded 
that the 19th century has seen more martyrdoms of Christians than any other century before it, uh, you might anticipate or think, oh, it must have been during the Roman times when there were so many martyrs, but actually there are so many more martyrs in the 19th century, especially in China and also Mexico. In the first reading, we only got to see a snippet of the account of these seven brothers who were martyred. If you were to continue reading the story, which I highly recommend when you get home, get your Bibles out and read 2 Maccabees chapter 7, uh, the mother of these seven boys were, was very commendable. The king, it says in this account, was astounded at the brothers' faith, that these brothers, when told to do so, quickly put out their hand or stuck out their tongue for it to be cut off because they would not defile uh, their, the faith of their ancestors, their fathers. And so in a last effort to try to make the youngest brother, the last to be martyred or killed, he, he wanted to convert him. And so he thought that the mother, seeing all of her children, all of her boys die in front of her, that maybe she would have an influence on him and ask him to set aside his faith so that she would still have him. And so he had the mother brought, and she was brought in front of the youngest of the brothers, and she spoke to him in the native language, in Hebrew. And apparently the king did not know Jewish women very well, or particularly this one, because she did not, for a second, ask him to defy his faith. Rather, she told him, I carried you in my womb for nine months. Don't disappoint me, and don't disappoint your brothers. And he became the most courageous of all the brothers in his giving testimony of his faith and his witness, and he also was killed and martyred. There are moments in our lives when our relationship with God is going to cost us something. It may not be death or torture, but it may mean setting aside other things that we really want to do, um, but our love for God must come first. We need to be frank about this and not delude ourselves that our relationship with God at some point will cost us something the more any relationship matters to us, the more we will be willing to suffer for the person that we love. And we should love God above all things. We're called to live as those young men lived in our first reading, with our eyes fixed on God and on his promises and on his presence, the promise of resurrection and eternal life. One of my favorite prayers begins by saying, God, remind me that life is short and eternity is long. The traditional word for, um, for someone who has died for their faith is a martyr, and it comes from the Greek word which means a witness. As Christians, we're called to witness to the rest of the world that God is real and that he's good and that he's worth dying for. Sometimes it's easy to dismiss God as a distant idea or some kind of cosmic force that has little bearing on our everyday life. 
A Christian must live their life in such a way that others recognize that God is more real than anything else, that God is good. So many people doubt the goodness of God. A Christian must live in such a way that others are able to experience the goodness of God through them. God is worth dying for. Many treasures compete for the keys to our hearts. Christians must live lives, lives in such a way that others may see that God is truly the greatest treasure. We're called to live as martyrs, as witnesses to our God who loves us and is present with us forever. On October the 16th in 2016, Pope Francis canonized a young boy who was 14 years old, a Mexican named Jose Sanchez del Rio. In 1927, civil war racked Mexico and anti-Catholic persecution had led to a response as Catholics began to defend themselves and fight for religious freedom. They were known as the Cristeros because of their battle cry, long live Christ the King. When the government forces, forces captured little Jose Sanchez del Rio, they offered him a pardon along with various forms of reward if he would reject his Catholic faith. But this 14-year-old boy responded, my faith is not for sale. Repeated tortures did not shake his resolve and the police finally shot and killed him. Jose Sanchez del Rio, whose faith was not for sale, valued his friendship with God above everything else and lived and died as a witness to the Lord. One of my favorite stories of martyrdom comes uh, by way of Archbishop Fulton Sheen. He tells the story of a Chinese, young Chinese girl who when the, when the communists came into their church, uh, threw over the tabernacle, and there were a number of hosts that were spilled out on the floor. The priest was imprisoned in the basement beneath the church, and from the basement there was a little grating where he could see into the sanctuary. And every night, the young Chinese girl would come in and do a holy hour. She would kneel down by the sanctuary and pray, and finally, she wouldn't touch the host. She would lean her head down, and with her tongue, she would uh, pick up the host and then leave. And she did this repeatedly until there was one host left. And that final host, as she consumed it, one of the guards must have heard her, and they came into the church, and while she was still kneeling, shot her through the back. And it was witnessed by the priest who saw it all from the little grate from the basement into the sanctuary. We are surrounded through the centuries by witnesses, witnesses that God is good, uh, witnesses that God is real and that God is, is worth it. He is our greatest treasure. And we too are called to be credible witnesses for our faith. When others see us, do they recognize that we are Christian or that we are Catholic? Clearly, we're not all going to be perfect. We are sinners in need of God's mercy. Yet God does want our lives to be witnesses of our faith and to bring souls to him. 
And this happens, I think, when we pray. In Mass, we're called to open our hearts to God and let Him renew our hearts. And our daily prayer is what gives us strength every day to endure sufferings for the Lord. This past week, I had a wonderful experience. A young girl, one of our parishioners, I think she might be in first or second grade, uh, she asked me, knowing that I make rosaries, if I would make her a suffering uh, cord where you have the beads and you push them up every time you suffer something for God. And so it was a reminder to me how even the young children are willing to be witnesses for their love of God. And so as we pray each day, we pray for the strength uh, for us to be witnesses. Most of us are not going to die by violent death for our faith, but we will have thousands of opportunities each day to die a little death, something that we suffer for our love for God. The poet William Blake once said that every act of kindness is a little death in the divine image. So let us commit to acts of kindness, little acts of suffering for us to show our faith. As we do this, we're living as Christians in the midst of our work days, in the, in the middle of our daily lives, that we are witnessing to our love for Jesus Christ and for the teaching of his resurrection. Amen.